I'm excited because I've got um, the fabulous Miff Warhurst talking to me about cults today. How are you, Miff? Hello, Joe. I'm excellent. How are you going? I'm excited. Uh, oh, me too. Well, excited to talk about horrible, horrible shit. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. <laughs> for those who don't know, um, what's wrong with you? But Miff is um, a broadcaster, podcaster, TV person, and just general good egg. I challenge anyone to find someone that doesn't think Miff is just awesome. Ha ha. <laughs> you can you can probably ask a couple of my exes and I'm sure they'll have a very different viewpoint on that but you know okay well if you can just give me their numbers I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll make sure you're telling the truth um, this is also the first time I've recorded an episode of Zealot not in the same room as the person um, so I'm sorry I haven't been able to do you a cheese plight Oh, look, that's all right. What you what you did do, though, which was just beautiful, <laughs> is in my little email inbox one day, all of a sudden there was a gift voucher, a gift voucher for some booze. And, yeah. And I thought, that's so sweet. That's a really lovely idea. But we're doing this a little bit earlier than we probably thought we would be. So we're, we're sans wine at yeah. the moment, which could may or may not help or hinder the podcast. I'm not sure. Yes, I haven't had a dry podcast yet. Haven't you? No. Okay. Let's well. Let's test the waters. The future is dry because <laughs> everybody's giving up the booze, as you know, as we get older. So we can be the the guinea pigs for how to do a podcast dry. Oh God. Okay. Good. Good luck, Miff. No. I know. Which cult are we talking about? We are talking about Synanon today. Or, or do I say Synanon? I don't know. I think there's theories about how they got their name and if I think it's Synanon because it's sort of like Alcoholics Alcohol Anonymous. Anon. yeah. Can I just say that because when I, when I pick guests and cults, I try to, if the guest doesn't pick a cult, I try to sort of tailor a cult to them and I promise you it's because this is music related not because it's <laughs> not because it's about people coming off heroin or booze or you know everyone any kind being, of drug really yeah I think is, is what Synanon dealt with no I like it I like the music angle and I like the which we will get to yes the, the kind of real hip beat generation angle you know like there's there's a couple of films online where you can see them uh, it's a film about Synanon, which we'll probably get to as well. And oh. it, it just looked super cool. It looked like a cult I wanted to be a part of. It but is... obviously, no. Because no. I love that even the terminology the leader uses is really sort of, it's really 60s hip. Mm. Um, and his name is Charles Diederich or Chuck D. That's what <laughs> I I'm calling him. That. <laughs> That's what we're calling him. Apologies to the other Chuck D. Yes. Actually, we have a – there's a fictional T-shirt for every episode of Zealot, so the other Chuck D yeah. might, be a, might be one of the T-shirts. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Excellent. Right. I'll wear that. And Chuck D was a booze hound. And he, I think he was like – you know you have any friends that give up smoking or lose weight and then suddenly they become the evangelist yeah. for giving up those things. That's our Chucky D. Yeah, he's oh, – look, I can become that person, but hopefully I'm not too annoying when it comes to that. Quite often people that have serious addictions become addicted to the next thing that they, they'll do. Like, yes. you know, I know a lot of ex-junkies who now do yoga. for seven hours a day yeah. <laughs> and it's like I, I go that's cool but that's also not normal I mean yoga is way healthier for you obviously and it's much better that they're not they're not doing other drugs but it's it's almost like the addiction is replaced with another one sometimes well, with these people yeah one of my friends recently gave up drinking and replaced it with yoga and I think like a lot of cults include yoga and I think it's because of that fervor and devotion that it can inspire Mm, mm. And I wish I had that because I've been trying to do yoga for so long now and I get into it for a while and then I drop out and then I get back into it and I still can't downward dog properly with my heels down. So. Don't, look, 
It doesn't matter if your heels are down, Miff. Does it? No. I don't know. You... I can never do it. It's like I've got no – I can't stretch properly or something and it's really starting to get me down after about four years of trying to be into yoga. No, I don't. Just don't have the attitude that your heels need to be down. I do okay. – go to my first yoga teacher who was a Kiwi. She's like, yeah. just go to your own edge. <laughs> just go to your own edge and try and push a little bit past it. <laughs> But she also used to say, pull up from your perineum with a Kiwi accent, which just, that the class was over. How does that sound? Per, per, pull, up, pull up from your perineum. Oh, that's gorgeous. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole new word. That's the t-shirt. Pull up from your perineum. <laughs> from your perineum. Got yeah. Got it. Um, now Chuck D, he was drinking heavily by the time he left high school. So he was super, super drinky. Um, mm. And... He was a sales exec from Ohio and he moved to Southern California after his first divorce. And just as his second divorce was happening, he found Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, yes. And he he started speaking quite a bit at Alcoholics Anonymous, which is obviously what everybody has to do. But he became one of the ones that people looked up to as being quite motivational, I think. Would that yes, be right? Yes, absolutely. And he had his face, he'd had meningitis as a child, so his face was half paralysed. And apparently he had this, I've seen him speak in a couple of short videos, this gravelly delivery, but he was just... A speaker. I reckon every dad, everyone's dad has got a mate like Chuck mm. D. He's sort of that grisly kind of something a bit funny with his face, but one of those charismatic people. Maybe it's just mm. my dad and I'm just projecting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He looked a bit like I've watched videos and, and look, he looks a bit older and kind of, I didn't find him particularly inspirational in terms of the way he looks, but he could have that real, I don't know, rough, rough and tumble element or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, didn't quite, I, I didn't quite get that from him, but I can imagine he just seemed a bit more kind of, um, I don't know, scout leader type. Good <laughs> scout leader type. Yeah. Right, not the scout leader you see on the news. Oh, that's no, going no, as no, well. not that type. No, <laughs> no, it just looked like you know, a guy in khaki shorts, and not, not this cool guy around a cool cult. I didn't get that feeling, but maybe he was a kind of cool guy. Yeah, I think I'd been intimidated by him, so he'd probably a good person to get me off smack. Mm, mm. Um, I'm not on smack. Just you know, I don't think there's any doubt on the <laughs> FYI, biggest goody too. Yeah, FYI, not too active. No smack. Um, so at the time, so this is 1956-58 when he was in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and AA only dealt with alcohol and Narcotics Anonymous had only recently started and they were a bit shit. Mm. So no one was catering for uh, junkies or as they called them in the 60s, dope fiends. Oh, that was too. That was the term, wasn't it? Yeah. Only, only dopes use dope. <laughs> That's what they used to say. I remember that. Well, according to um, Chuck as well, you only babies use dope. So he did this. He had this saying that you know he was he was teaching children how to be adults by helping them get off smack. Right. right. Um, am that's I? Really, that's really quite sort of appealing to their. They're very lost, probably. You know, their, their, their feelings of, of being lost. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty grim. But and anyway, keep going. And he said, um, crime is stupid, delinquency is stupid, and the use of narcotics is stupid. That's an illustration of the kind of guy he is. And he said, what Synanon is dealing with is addiction to stupidity. Oh. That's a bit, you know. A bit harsh. A, bit a little harsh. bit. But he wasn't, you know, he was quite into tough love. But he started... Yeah. Hang on, with the sin though, was there a religious element to this? This is what I couldn't quite work out because sin, Alcoholics Anonymous, it gets the anon, but mm. the sin bit, S-Y-N, spelt differently. Well, what the, was that all about? The other theory of how it was named is that one of the people that was being treated there tripped over the words seminar and symposium. Oh. And so it just became sin anon. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't think it's... Sin, a religious sin. thing. And that's gotcha. the thing. There's no – this is a pretty much a religion-free cult. Mm. So it's a bit like Scientology in that it's kind of based around a therapy rather than a right. religion. 
So, but also Scientology has got the space, the space stuff. It's a little bit, little yeah. bit God, God coming out of the clouds, isn't it? A little bit, but that's. Yeah. I mean, that's because its leader was insane. Mm. So like most you know, of these people, as we yeah, find, both Scientology and Synanon, the therapies they have technically were doing people good, but it's kind of like you know, it's like religion, systems of government, and dating musicians. It's good on paper, yeah, but then it just turns a bit pear. Yeah, it's it's offering ways to live and rules to live by, without actually really taking care of the human being in there more more just taking their money in the end yeah and speaking of taking care in 58 when um Diederik started it it was called the tender loving care club oh that's nice TLC I wonder where they got their band name from yeah that's (laughs) right don't go chasing synonym okay music licensing come on (laughs) such a huge (laughs) dude oh this isn't bang on. You can't just clear music rights. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's Chuck D set this up and it was on the beach in Santa Monica uh, with the idea that people would come and live in this big house and be treated for their addiction and then they'd be rehabilitated and they'd be launched back out into the world. And that was his first theory and they had this no drugs and no violence policy at the start. Hmm. Which, which sounds pretty fair. I mean, no drug sounds like quite a reasonable thing yeah. for a drug rehabilitation centre. Yeah. Although Fairly standard. Yeah. I mean, if you look at celebrity rehab, that's what they ask everyone on there to do. And who's not looking at celebrity rehab, I ask you? Great show. Oh, great show. <laughs> but <laughs> thank, I mean, mm. It's, oh, look, there's some moral issues there that we're finding that entertaining, but we find cults entertaining. Mm. Um, Well, we'll just, I'll address those moral issues later, maybe. Yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot of moral issues with all of this. Yes. Continue. Right. The thing is, Chuck didn't count LSD as a drug. He counted it as a therapeutic substance, and so LSD was allowed. So you could have nicotine, caffeine, and LSD. So LSD not deemed a drug. I guess. I guess in general, though, within that community and that time, LSD wasn't illegal. And no. same as in Australia, it it remained a. I think legal until they realised that people were using it in the 70s. That's right, yeah. So, so at this time it was very, very much um, being used to treat alcoholism in particular and some other, um, some delinquency and, and uh, drug abuse as well. How, how would LSD fix alcoholism? I find that really interesting. One of the theories was that it um, it produced this feeling of family so you felt really close to therapists and it kind of cleared your head ready for suggestion. So uh, you can suggest things to someone on, on LSD and it will really uh, take a much firmer hold than if they're not on acid. Yep. Could okay. have learned some stuff lately. I know. Well, maybe the countercultural revolution of the 60s was onto something there. Maybe it was. People should mm. write books about that. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> Maybe they did. Timothy Leary, probably. Do you know who visited Synanon? Who? Timothy Leary. Oh, you're kidding. I'm serious. Synanon was quite successful, according to Synanon. So they would yeah. have these reports that there were um, uh, an 80% success rate. But uh, they did find that people who left Synanon would start taking drugs again right so they would come back and that would be considered a success so we take that okay. with a grain of salt yeah yeah i think all of these all of these cults and their their revelations about how successful they are need to be taken with a grain of salt how did they even start as a, a, a like it was like a, a hospital a rehab how, how do you even get to that point they're the cult like how did he get he started- our mate chuck d how did he get 
that the money for a building like that. I think he started with 40 people and then spread the word because he was super good at the talky talk. Right, Plus okay. he had lots of connections through AA. And then he started charging people $1,000 to come and stay. Right. Um, there's not many expenses because you pay $1,000 to show you're serious and then you cook, wash dishes, clean, do all that sort of thing um, while you're there. So... Plus they had, as he grew, and uh, he'd registered as a charitable organisation, so he was getting donations and tax cuts. So he started businesses. You could go and fill up at Synanon Gas. No. Yes. Chain of petrol stations. So he's siphoning the money that he makes from rehabilitation patients, mm. essentially. He's got this whiz-bang hotel on Santa Monica in in Los Angeles, in California, mm. that is now a super, super posh hotel. Like the real estate is primo. He's got gas stations as well. At what point did anyone go, hang on a minute, this guy looks like he's making a lot of money out of people that need a bit of help? At numerous points, Miff. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> not getting worried now. The IRS kept investigating them. And so at some point, he also, Chuck also said, oh, look, we're going to be a religion now so that we don't have to pay any tax but they weren't officially a religion but they managed to stay a charity but he didn't accept any government grants because then he would be subject to government regulation and scrutiny yes, yes. so he was a smart guy mm. um and they started uh accepting non-addicts as well because people wanted to come and live in this experimental community so it became a bit less about drug rehabilitation and a bit more about a lifestyle. Right. And uh, was, it, was it called the Synanon lifestyle? Did they say that? You, like, was it supposedly cool and hip and I don't know, was it, was, is that how it was perceived? Absolutely. It was, certainly in the 60s it was seen as incredibly cool and this is because – it was dealing with narcotics. There were a lot of jazz musicians at the time that were patients at Synanon. So they, and because of the LSD, it also attracted some writers. Um, so it was, and I'm going to use the vernacular of the time, mm. a happening scene. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did read about lots of A-list Hollywood actors turning up to Synanon parties where there would be, say, jazz music and blues and and all of that going on. Jane Fonda was yes. an attendee at a synon at synon and parties. Natalie Wood. Oh wow. Yeah. So except for the you know, there wasn't any booze at these parties, but there was music and celebrities. I've got a little list. There's um yeah, everybody knows Rod Serling. No, they don't. He was the Twilight Zone creator. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, science fiction writers uh, Ray Bradbury and Philip K. Dick. I love, sorry, I will always find Philip K. Dick's name funny. It's too good. It is Pip too Dick. good. <laughs> Leonard... I'd like to be my friend, Pip Dick. <laughs> Have you met Pip Dick? <laughs> um, Leonard Nimoy was a guest speaker. Right. That's in and on. Jane Fonda was there, Charlton Heston, Timothy Leary, Natalie Wood, Joe Pass and Art Pepper stayed there quite a bit. So that's like – and there was a oh, – they had a – they put in – they cut an album at Synanon because of all the jazz musicians and it was called The Sounds of Synanon. Um, the, was there something else about the, the appeal of Synanon? I, I, I read that a lot of it was about – expressing yourself as well so without drugs and without alcohol you there were moments where you were allowed to express your anger towards another person or your enthusiasm towards another person without any kind of barriers like you, yes was, was that a part of the appeal of synonym i can't quite get my head around it, it was a massive part and i really want to talk about this because there were they had um so they had the uh, people coming off drugs and they were called dope fiends and yep. then they had the not addicts or the lifestylers um, called, and they were called squares and then later on they even had um, delinquents so teenagers come in and wow. um, they were called 
punks or the punk squad. I oh, wanted to live this, this point like I wanted a, to live there. This is like a teen movie from the 1950s. Oh, it so is. And it's no wonder Natalie Wood was there cuz well, it was of course. just yeah, her thing. Um and they came to play the game. Oh. And the game was this therapy and it was the main thing that differentiated Synanon from any other sort of therapies or cults. Have you ever heard of attack therapy? No. Attack therapy, it's not... Look, it works on some people and not on others, and it's a it's a class of therapy. But uh, Chuck D was a very very early pioneer of attack therapy. He also, do you know, he he's credited with coming up with the phrase "Today is the first day of the rest of your life." Right. I wondered where that came from. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. That was Chuck. Okay. It was Chuck. Good old Chuck. Uh, I, I say that every day when I decide I'm going to have a, you know, new approach to food or fitness or, or alcohol or anything. But thank you, Chuck. When I decide I'm going to do that, my phrase is cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so attack therapy. Its principle is that you remove, whoever you're doing it on, you remove the subject's ego and their defences so you kind of rebuild them from scratch. The idea is that you get them so used to confrontation and um, kind of being told their shit. So you just belittle them and bully them until yes. there's nothing left. Until there's nothing left. And then you've got like fun, this, doesn't, doesn't it? it? It's oh, a hoot. Oh, no, serve some canapes and you're done. It's a party. Um, so, uh, yeah, then you've got this tabula rasa you've got this child that then you can teach new rules and they'll be like a sponge because they got nothing left they're broken they're broken and uh, there's what psychopath came up with that (laughs) well partly charles diederich oh there we go okay good news um so there's a lot of other groups i think i think landmark used to use a bit of attack therapy really so the thing is, you because Chuck D used to say addicts were not adults and it was futile to try to cure them with adult procedures. Right. Uh, and so you sit in a circle and one by one, each person in the circle gets ruthlessly picked on. And you can't, oh. you don't even have to tell the truth. You can lie. You can swear at them. Uh, his idea was talk dirty and live clean. So sometimes, and he had little suggestion questions for the game. Things like, the most boring person here in the circle is, and you would name the most boring person in the circle, and everyone would just pile on. Oh, that's awful. It's awful. That is just awful. I mean, we could try it today, but like, it would get us nowhere. I know. How on earth did this pass as even vaguely... Okay. And it would last for up to 48 hours. Oh my god. It's really like ridiculous. Oh, I can't even I can't even think of an example that that would be like. It's just it's like torture. Totally. Strangers picking on you. Mental torture. I'd be like I'd be worried that they'd go straight for my double chin paranoia. Oh, have you got one of those, have you? I've got the paranoia. I've got two chins and one paranoia. (laughs) (laughs) I've got it now too. And I think, and I'm blaming mobile phones, right? Because we look at our phones all the time with our heads down. And I've got an actual crease where the second one starts. And and look, it could just be ageing, but I really don't feel like people put their heads down as much as they do today. I agree. I think we've all got technology creases. Technology crease in the yep. double chin. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Tech, I'm, I'm blaming my phone. I'm blaming my phone for everything. Great. Do you think Do you think we'll look at phones as some sort of cult in 30 years' time? Do you know, Be- in Zealot the Book, hey, Miff, I've got a book coming out. Have you now? Yeah, late February. When's that book coming out? Late February. February. Mm, right. In 2019. Sure. Pre-order now. Uh, 
but it's I use the phone as an analogy for how people how you can make people do what you want when you're a cult leader we're just we know all this stuff is bad for us I know, and but we do it anyway. It. We're, letting, we're, letting them, we're letting it happen to us in a similar way as maybe a cult member would. Cause it ma- yeah, because it makes us feel like we belong. It's, we're connected to other people. It's our, it's our, we found our, our tribe through it. Really, we're not connected at all. Oh, we kind of are. are we? Well, I suppose we're having this conversation, aren't we? Yeah, you and I know each other from, yeah, that's from true. the internet. That's true. Look at me yeah. just presuming that's a great thing. Well, I just think the addiction thing is going to be such a problem in 20 years' time. Yeah, because I know I'm addicted. I'm addicted. Same. To give you an idea of the mindset, Chuck's mindset and how he came up with the game, he says, Synanon came into existence because our society is composed of mama's boys and daddy's little girls who have been inundated by attempts to produce nothing but agreeable sensations in them. Character disorders, quite simply, are people who had too strong a dose of mother love and were never properly housebroken by fathers. Oh, my goodness. He sounds like someone who never got any love. None. I don't think he did, actually. completely projecting. This is awful. Yeah. So in his head, the role of a father is to housebreak you, is to break your spirit. Oh, gosh. It's a bit upsetting. It's very upsetting, and but the I guess the environment was fertile for that because it was the opposite of of how that generation were being brought up. You know, they were considered they were the children of the the teenagers of the fifties. Yeah, the first teenagers. Yeah, the first sort of post-war, uh, living quite you know affluent lives. A lot of them within Middle America, and would have been seen as as mollycoddled, perhaps given previous generations' experiences. Yeah. And he's come through. He's come through and just use that as his bargaining tool yep and the the courts so the courts both adult and juvenile courts were sending people to synanon as part of their as their parole as a parole condition you're kidding no oh dear i know (laughs) this is horrible and they the thing is one thing I think is funny, one of their businesses was, apart from their petrol stations, they were also, they were promotional merch manufacturer. What, what, so did, they, what did they make? Caps and pens and all sorts of, you'd think on the, you know, maybe on the front of the T-shirt or the pen, it says, today's the first day of the rest of, the, of your life. And then on the yeah. back, it probably says, your double chin is awful. <laughs> oh no yeah i want one of those t-shirts though (laughs) i'm gonna be sending you like eight imaginary t-shirts i love this but to be fair they did have classes in art and drama and public speaking and music so that's partly to keep um addicts occupied Mm -hmm. but to make it a you know a place to that people would want to be and would want to pay the money to be there and and earn their keep so did he get them to work on the merch as well, like the caps oh, and yeah. the T-shirts Free labor. and the pens? Free labour as yep. well. And the, and prison systems or court systems were sending people to them for free labour. Yep. While he broke them down and bullied them. And, wow, this sounds like a fun time, doesn't it? Yes. And you, your quarters are raided. You can't have too many personal possessions. You have to give them all up. And... At first, if you were given a verbal dressing down, so if you smuggled in contraband or if you were caught using, you it was said to be given a haircut. So, oh. but then they just th- thought, let's make that a real thing. And once Chuck D shaved his head one day, and so everyone shaved their heads. I did see a photograph of a couple of women with shaved heads and a huge pile of hair. And it's human hair, I assume. Yeah, I might put that one up on the on the Facebook page because it's it, it's bizarre, isn't it? What what is that? Um, look, I understand within religion that the, the hair shaving is a, a a matter of I guess dropping all pretenses and and being more equal. But within synonym, what was synonym? I should say. What 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 do you think that was? <laughs> yeah, you're pronouncing it like cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll, yeah, because <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Uh, it's really, I think partly because um, Chuck was really about 
himself being the main authority. So he was kind of like God in this non-religious cult. And so you had to, and removing your ego. So you shave your head, you give away your possessions, your hair, you all look alike. He is the leader. You guys are just all, you know, uniform followers. Mm. But I was going to leave this for random facts at the end, but because of the shaved heads. So um, George Lucas's first movie, first feature film was called THX 1138. Oh, yes. Really catchy name. So he needed lots and lots of bit part actors and, um, <gasps> and extras with shaved heads because everyone in this fictional science fiction world had shaved, head, shaved heads. And actresses at the time, 50s and 60s, you need your locks unless you're Mia Farrow. Yeah, you couldn't afford to cut off the hair because Not the, hair was, part. the hair was part of your current. Yeah, well. you'll never get another part if you're just five minutes on screen shaving your head. Mm. So Chuck went, here you go. And so shitloads of the extras in George Lucas's first feature film are seen as non-members because they already had their shaved heads. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they got to be movie stars sort of as well. Yes, and I looked for this movie to watch it and – so I thought, I'll oh, start with the trailer. And I thought, nope. No. No. It's just about people who, well, it's kind of a cult in the future and people take drugs to be kept under control and there's a sex scene and that's enough. I'll put yeah. the trailer up on the Facey page as well. Yeah, you can have a look. Robert Altman, it seems. Yeah. Also used some of the members of Synanon for extras in a film California Split. Which I've also not seen. Jingos. I love Robert Altman. Oh, yes. Oh, mate, it's just I love the cults in the in California because they'll all have little Hollywood ties. Exactly. exactly. I don't love them. I mean, they're horrible garbage places full of terrified people. So but- what's the what why do celebrities often want to be tied in with cults? What what is it that appeals in particular to the because this often happens, doesn't mm. it? Celebrities get on board cults, say you Scientology. Um, Some celebrities' lives, they're looking for extra meaning because mm. they don't have... Well, they play dress-ups and pretend. Yeah. Mostly. Also, their I think they're likely to be drawn to things that seem kind of cool and underground and but are spiritual and meaningful. And cult leaders aren't stupid they know they get a couple of celebrities on board and it gives them gravitas and makes them more attractive and makes them seem more legit yeah but they never get the real version of the cult do they they always get like some nice sparkly version yeah they don't have to do the hard yards and the and the you know the, the cleaning up of the the hair or the shaved hair or yeah yeah the, the <sighs> kill it, the killing of fellow cult members that kind of thing that's right. They stay away from all that muck. <laughs> Good on them. I want to talk a bit about children in the cult because uh, Diederik, I think he had a couple of children, but he was, I wouldn't say jealous, but suspicious of the ties between parents and children because he was supposed to be the leader and have all the devotion. And this has happened in a couple of cults before. Uh where they decide, okay, then all the children are going to be raised communally by the whole cult. And so after kind of six to nine months, parents would only see their children about once a week. Oh, that's really rough. Yeah. Some, so they were sort of sent to nurseries or, you know, children houses. Mm. And because uh, if you discourage family ties, then you encourage loyalty to the leader. Right. Um, and some people left at this point because they were like, well, I want to have my children. Yeah. So when they le- started leaving, Chuck went, all right, no one's allowed to have children anymore. Anyone who's pregnant now, off you go for an abortion. Oh, and you blokes, off you go for vasectomies. So men were having vasectomies, women were, were pushed into abortion and children were segregated from parents. That's right. It's a real happy place by the end of the 60s. 
Oh, at what point were the legal institutions poking their noses into this situation? Because this is sounding very grim. Yes, especially because around this time he decided that there wouldn't be a no-violence policy anymore. Oh, no. So the game could get violent. Yes. Oh, So this is not... Things really turned, didn't they? Yeah. We're at the end of the 60s, early 70s, and this is when people start looking into them. Um, There's a few court cases and journalists are really, really sniffing around. So around this time as well, Dieterich, he was, because the media was sniffing around and they were talking to ex-members who had started taking drugs again. And so they're questioning how good Sinanon is at rehabilitating people. Mm. Uh, So he decided that you don't get rehabilitated and leave anymore, you stay in Synanon forever. Oh, my God, that's prison. That's, that's essentially yes. prison. prison. And oh. he's broadcasting speeches 24 hours a day. And what on, what's he broadcasting them on? Has he got, like, his own inter, like inter-house um, radio station? He's got a radio system? station. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you, Miff. Right, Synanon FM. <laughs> I reckon it's AM. Synonym am yeah synonym 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 in order, you know, to, mm. to keep the business afloat. I I guess I assumed it was a bit more uh, around the sort of Rajneesh numbers, but that's... Yeah, yeah, a few are because I don't think, especially in, if you're base, basing in California, you just don't have the room. They tried to be recognised as a religion at this point um, for tax reasons, but they're still getting loads I'm, of donations. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to think that this is a good way for all of us to go. For tax reasons, just say you're a religion. Just, I just maybe I could just be a religion unto myself, because um, it seems a lot of people are getting away with this but at I the mean, moment, including just, a lot of churches. You have to actually, to, to be tax exempt, then your religion has to actually make some money. So if it's a religion just unto yourself, you're mm. the only member. I've got a job. Okay, but that's diff- that has to pay tax. <laughs> I'm okay. happy with that, but just for my religion, my extra purposes. Right. Yeah. What are you doing here, Miff? He's misunderstanding tax. <laughs> I know. Damn. Damn. <laughs> but his – oh, and Chuck didn't have a vasectomy, but most of his rules, it was like, if I'm going to do it, everyone does it. So when he had to give up smoking, everyone had to give up smoking. Smoking was banned. Did he get was he, was he – he had to give up smoking. I think so he had a bit of the emphysemes. Gotcha. Gotcha. A little bit of black lung pop. And when he, oh, you make it sound cute. I know, it's so not. <laughs> um, and after his wife died, Betty, in uh, 1977, he went proper bonkers. Would it be safe to say that, um, as is the case with a lot of these figures, the the partner was the one that was reining them in and keeping them from doing extraordinarily inappropriate things with their power? I think so. And in this case, again, looks good on paper, but uh, can go a bit off. Um, Synanon was super racially inclusive. It was a really, really great – for the time, it was a really – um, great non-segregated inclusive space and um, Chuck's wife Chuck was white and his uh, wife Betty was black and oh and in this let's talk about the movie quickly so the 1965 movie called Synanon which is before they went bad so it's come and have a look at this groovy uh, place where all the dope fiends hang out and Eartha Kitt plays his wife Betty ah and it looks like the coolest place on earth that you want to be like it's got 
music, people are dancing, but not just dancing, that really free dancing where they're not worried about how they look or, yes. or what people think of them. And you go immediately, you go, I want to be part of that scene. Absolutely. And it's pre-shaved heads, so they all look just cool. And there's, Super you know, cool. love affairs and and melodramatic fist fights. Because that's a movie I actually really want to see. I really want to see it as well. So good though. Just look it up online. Seriously, it's, it's a party you want to be at. Oh, yeah. I'll it, put a link up because it's just so... It's just the epitome of what it is. Mm, Isn't that mm. funny? Yeah, it's the epitome of a 1965 movie about a drug rehabilitation place on the beach. Yeah. There's so many, but it's classic. It's so good, so good. Yeah, I think you, you alerted me to the slap scene. Yes. Where you don't do that to me. It's so in there and he's thrown back against the wall. It's glorious. And the overactoring is magnificent. Overactoring. Overactoring is just my – I call it actoring when it's not real great. When it's overactoring, that's even better. Excellent. Oh, yeah. God. And this, yes, Synanon is a beacon for overactoring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who, fund, who funded that? Was that – do we know? Is it, is it a movie? I was wondering when I was watching the preview. It wasn't preview. funded by Synanon, but it had their support, so it was, it was filmed on location. You are such a font of knowledge when it comes to this. this I can't amazing. stop reading about this sort of stuff. Oh, but when Betty Chuck's wife died, Chuck said, "Okay, no one, everyone has to split up with their partners." Right. He forced everyone to just split up, and so he broke up more than two hundred couples, and uh, no one was allowed to stay with any new partner for more than three years. Oh. So he's gone mental well, at this he's, point. He's lost the plot, but honest, I think no more than three years is probably fair. I mean, I've, I've unofficially been following that rule, so it's, you know, it works for me. I live by that yeah. rule. Maybe I've got a bit of Chuck D in me. But true, he completely and utterly lost the, point, the I plot. I don't know if you want to use the phrase a bit of Chuck D in me. Well, yeah. out of context, yes. inappropriate, but yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah, his mental decline, shall we say, uh, became a bit dangerous. They bought $200,000 worth of firearms. And started a thing called the Imperial Marines. Oh, here we go. So it's a specially trained force because he's getting paranoid. This is the bit where the lawyers are sniffing, the journalists are sniffing, people are leaving and he's getting paranoid. Mm. It's us and them. And they, he even taught them a special form of karate called Sinodo. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> what is that? Is that the same as what Elvis did? Oh, um, I don't know, stage? but yes, let's say it is. Maybe yeah. Elvis, yep, Elvis did Sonodo. I'm convinced. I'm convinced too. Let's let's just make that a thing because, you know. It's, let's it make it another much. T-shirt. Yeah, he gave up all the all the alcohol and, and drugs yeah. for the legal ones. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was, a, he was big on LSD, but oh, mm. if only Elvis had found Synanon. No. 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 <laughs> but... Uh, the Imperial Marines were going around beating up ex-members that were bad-mouthing them. Oh, okay. So this is, sounds like a fair and just organisation at this point. Yeah. There was a dude called uh, Phil Ritter who wanted to try and get his daughter out of the cult. So Chuck D sent two guys to beat him up and put him in a coma. Oh. So this is that time where it's, you know, I've had enough. Um. There were f- like 48 members of Synanon were lawyers. Doesn't that tell you something about the lawyer lifestyle? And really? So yeah. that's, I mean, they've got 1,500 members, 48 are lawyers. That's a fairly yeah. good representation amongst that population. Were they, was it because they were required or was that because it attracts the, lo- the lawyery types? Chicken or the egg maybe, but they yeah. sued everybody that said anything bad. Right, right. Uh Although they tried a little, a different technique uh, on one lawyer called Paul Morantz. And he's now, Paul Morantz now makes, he's got a, like a website all about Synanon and he's really made it his mission to expose what they were. But Paul Morantz, he was representing a woman who'd been held against her will because when around that time it became a prison. And... Uh, he won a case so Diederich sent round two members of the Imperial Marines and this is called the rattlesnake incident 
Oh, yes, I know the rattlesnake incident. Yes. It's kind of like putting a, well, I'll let you explain it, but it's a bit like putting a, you know when you put a fresh poo in someone's letter box, but with a different thing? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I do, yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar, Miff, putting a fresh poo in someone's letterbox. <laughs> but... mm, mm, no, it has been done. People people do that, but this is this is far, far worse. Listen up. But they, okay, they got a rattlesnake. They de-rattled it. How do you even do that? How do you, what, Ooh. I can't think of anything more dangerous than yeah. removing the rattle from a rattlesnake. And also the cruelty on the poor rattlesnake too. Yes, maybe they should have just left a poo. Probably. I mean, there would have been half the trouble if it was just a poo. Yeah, but they popped the de-rattled rattlesnake in Paul's letterbox. So when he went to check if he'd got his Pizza Hut coupons, he, <laughs> he got bit. Oh, Ended up in hospital. Didn't die, but... Didn't learn his lesson either. He's now one of the most outspoken people against Sinanon ever. The aim, the aim was though that he was to die, wasn't it? They, yes. They wanted to kill him. Yes. And uh, Diederik and uh, the two guys that put the snake in the letterbox were, yeah, convicted of attempted murder. I think the time where you don't put, where of all the nefarious choices you have of things to leave in someone's letterbox or ways to threaten someone. They really chose the one that just screams, our leader is batshit crazy. Absolutely batshit crazy. To think that anyone would pass, like, to, they, they would have found the rattlesnake. They would have seen that it's been de-rattled, first and foremost. It's not just there of its own accord. It hasn't just crawled up on in there for a bit of sunbaking. Like, it's just ridiculous. But how do you actually trail a rattlesnake to the people who popped it there? How did they find that out? Did they fingerprint the rattlesnake? Oh, my God. Can you do that? That's a really good question, Meth. Can you do that? I don't know. We need someone who's good at all of that stuff. Okay, if you're listening and you are an expert in fingerprinting rattlesnakes, (laughs) zealotpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Let us know. Let us know. Thank you. Yeah. So this was the beginning of the of the end, of course. Yeah, the sad demise, sadly. I'm, I'm kind of glad it's over. Oh, I know. Actually, I've got one bit of um, – it's a quote from Diederik again. Do I? So whatever made them suspect that it might have been Synanon that left the rattlesnake – uh, Diederik loved the sound of his own voice and he did record himself a lot. And they found a recording on their internal radio. And it's a bit of a long quote, but... Oh, and P.S., I didn't mean I'm glad that this is over. I meant I'm glad the synonym is over, not the podcast. I'm enjoying the podcast. <laughs> I know, it's it's fun making, making fun of bastards, isn't it? Oh, my God, there's so many of them. And how does this keep happening? That's the question. How does it? I don't know. Oh, it's confusing. But when they found this recording, they thought maybe he had something to do with it. So he said, we're not going to mess with the old time, turn the other cheek religious postures. Our religious posture is, don't mess with us. You can get killed dead, literally dead. I am quite willing to break some lawyer's legs and next break his wife's legs and threaten to cut their child's arm off. Oh, he sounds like a delightful fellow, isn't, isn't he? he? We could, great fun at parties. Should, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, great fun at parties. We could mm. have him over for afternoon tea. <laughs> Especially if you haven't karate chopped the cake, the banana bread yet. Yeah, exactly. And he said, that is the end of that lawyer. That is a very satisfactory, humane way of transmitting information. I really do want an ear and a glass of alcohol on my desk. Yes, indeed. I want an ear. That's what I'm going to demand in my next job, I think. When I go for a new job, I'll say, I, want, I demand an ear and a glass of alcohol on my desk. As a broadcaster, that's very symbolic. I want an ear to signify that people should listen up. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Everyone should put that on their riders as well. Yes. I want an ear and a glass of alcohol. Yes. Otherwise, I won't do it. I think in a glass of Maduri. I think the green would really set it off. Mm. Mm. Good work. The only good part of that quote is that he said... You can get killed dead. I love people that say killed dead. Dead, yeah. He thought this through. Not angry at all. Not behaving in a childlike manner. No. At all. No. So isn't, this, in- isn't this interesting? It's that he, his whole 
out to be this adult leader, this charismatic adult leader. But he did that by treating his followers and subjects like children. And And saying it was for their own good. Saying it's for their own good. But yet when he comes to speak in his full moment of anger, all he speaks is the language of children. You'll get killed dead. So it's just the child, the eternal child. It's a little bit like Trump. It is a bit like Trump. Because he reacts like a child. He does. Oh, don't tell me. Synonym slash Trump. Here we are. Trump doesn't drink. That's true. Look out, rattlesnakes. Yeah. Isn't that funny that we would not put that past him? No, I know. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it turned out that Trump put a rattlesnake in someone's letterbox. I think he'd use a little bit more creative means or a little less obvious means. Do you think he'd shit in a bag and put it in (laughs) someone's letterbox? I think everyone's going to do that now. After oh, this. no, here comes the mental image. No. Damn it. It's there. It's there. Oh. Anyway, Diedrich didn't go to jail because he was, you know, his health wasn't the best. So. Oh, poor thing. Yes. Uh, but he was a condition of his, um, oh, what's it called when you don't, when you just get, when you don't go to jail, but you on on bail or on I don't know community service or on parole or the other one. Anyway, instead of going to jail, he had to step down as having anything to do with the leadership of Synanon. Oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. So it dwindled after that. Probation. Oh, Probation. Oh, we got there. So they kind of dwindled and uh, they disbanded in '91, and uh, Chuck D died at the age of 83 in 1997 so they just yeah they kind of burned out are there people around that still hold the candle for synanon as in hope to reignite that whatever the cult offered are there people like that still around do you get that feeling i don't think so i think it uh, the rattlesnake stuff and the you know, breaking I'll up relationships and yeah, once you once you threaten to kill people dead, it really puts people off. Mm. It just mm. you know puts it puts a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. But uh, which is good. And um, Alcoholics Anonymous really distance distance themselves from him now, which is unsurprising. Oh, were they not distant from him at, at the well, start? They were quite because he was such a good speaker with them at the start and he Ah. sort of continued on and started to do really good work elsewhere um and he took the the drug addicts while they looked after the alcoholics so it was kind of considered a bit of a balance wasn't it yeah and he was doing a much better job at the time than narcotics anonymous right we're kind of in the into random facts territory now are we okay i I partly say that because i've got a jingle random random Facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. There's a quote from his uh, 1980 deposition, so when he was being investigated for tax stuff. He says, I say this with as much humility as I am capable, which isn't very much. And I, I, for one, believe him. Uh, but when I sit down and start to talk, people start gathering. It is inevitable. No matter where I do that, it just happens. I can't stop it. Ooh. He's a massive egomaniac. Absolutely. And I have to say from watching those videos, I think I said it earlier, but I'll say it again, he didn't seem that charismatic to me. No. He was I a bit I don't really odd. understand the appeal, the magnetic appeal of this man. He looks a bit like, you know, that some older guy who's your dad's friend. I yeah. I didn't, didn't quite understand it. Was it because he was from the school of treat him mean, keep him keen, that I people get sucked so. in? I think so. He was this early proponent of... of tough love but yeah he looks a bit funny he talks a bit funny and I mean he's no no oil painting but he started to wear dungarees as well later life (laughs) wow we're all headed that way aren't we (laughs) I'm wearing them now (laughs) 
We're just we're just one narcotics anonymous away from Dungaree Society. I am ready for that. I don't yeah. mind. I'll join that cult. That's fine. Dungaree yeah. every day. That's my cult. Yeah. Was there were there any other little facts and tidbits you found remarkable at the time? Was was there much um, journalistic intrusion into Synanon? Syn- synanon. Sorry, I keep saying <laughs> Synanon uh, role. Synanon, like because I, I know with. As we know from Rajneesh, here in Australia, the 60 Minutes journalists going over there and, and sussing it out and, and doing doing all those interviews. We like I think as human beings, we're all kind of obsessed with this. But the mark of a really dangerous cult is quite often the journalistic investigations. Was there much going on around Synanon? Yes. On the one hand, uh, because they were so litigious, uh journalists were a little bit afraid because they were just getting sued whenever they wrote anything Mm. negative but there was one kind of not hugely well-known um paper called the point raised light and they won an award for their investigation into synanon they earned a pulitzer prize for public service oh wow for reporting on them and i think it was a husband wife team and there's actually um, an 80s telly movie about this couple and their investigation into Synanon. We are watching this together. I have we, to see uh, I started last night but got distracted by other things and it is it is because it's 80s mm. and it's it's a whole bunch of those actors that you kind of recognise but don't and the soundtrack's terrible and it's a square. It's not even like letterbox format, which is oh, maybe they avoided letterbox format because there might have been an, well, a, a rattlesnake, rattlesnake in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a date. We'll use use the bottle of wine I had earmarked for this. You can use your voucher. Yep. We'll sit down and we'll watch. Oh, it's called Attack on Fear, the 80s one. The shoulder pads of a very heavy um, style. Yes, and there's not one straight hair on any woman's head. Okay. It's all the big hair. Big hair perms. Can I just watch a little bit while I'm talking to you? Is that going to get around, be an issue with sound? Oh, just let's find out. Let's have a look. I just need to see. See And the music, I think, is all just on one Casio. Oh, yeah, good, good. Oh, it's taking forever to load. I can't even open this on my computer, sorry. I've only got one more, which is uh, in 1961 he spent Chuck D did spend a month in jail for operating a hospital without a license. It was zon- oh, that's a, all it was. a zoning violation. So the only t- thing he actually did time for was a zoning violation, even though he was a psycho weirdo freak. So he basically tortured at points, he imprisoned at points, he emotionally abused and manipulated people at points. He, oh. What? It started. Did you get it to play? It <laughs> just started playing. Sorry about that. <laughs> so he did all these horrendous, horrific things. He separated children from parents, all of that, but he never was picked up for anything to do with that. He was allowed to continue or he yeah. managed, to, managed to avoid it. That's astounding. Yeah. I mean, yes, convicted of attempted murder, but didn't do any jail time for that. No, no, just wore an ankle bracelet and stayed at home probably yeah wow Um, there was one look there was one story that when he was found I think when he was picked up for the attempted murder and this didn't have I only found this on one source so I'm not sure if I believe it that he was sitting there with an empty bottle of whiskey right so he'd been got back on the booze full circle look it's a rumor only at this point but it's a nice little it's a nice little end piece it is. It is. Only dopes use dope. There we go. There we go. Nice one. <laughs> That's the 12th T-shirt for this episode. Only dopes use dope. I can't remember what that's from. I think it's probably like a Cheech and Chong tape. From, from <laughs> a tape. Yeah, oh, it was bless on tape. Him. Bless oh, them. bless. Oh, look, they'll come back around. All your CDs will be worth money soon. That's right. As soon as they realise they're getting technology creases... Yes. They'll be yeah. out buying other things. I'm just looking at my technology crease right now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's real. This yeah. is a thing. Maybe we, a could, thing ever... maybe we could start like sort of technology crease tattoos. Yeah. Ooh. <gasps> TCTs. 
TCTs. Yep, done. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miff, I don't think there's that much more to say, really. I reckon. I reckon you've covered the lot. It's he's dead. We're done. He went Look, crazy. I'm just, I'm, yeah, he, I'm just hoping that there's no people hanging around with sin and non-tendencies. Look, I don't think so, but they might get scooped up. If they're vulnerable, they might get scooped up by someone else. Well, it's it sort of plays into that whole contemporary wellness movement, doesn't it? Yeah, because so people, it, people are suspicious of mainstream things, so they look for alternatives and they're usually untested and just as like well more likely to be milking you for your money or sex because they're unregulated right so i'll yeah i'll put a bunch of that stuff up on on the facebook page we've got a movie date so many links we've got a movie date i cannot wait to see this 80s telly movie on synanon oh it's going to be and we have to watch the whole way through we can't get off if it's bad no, nah, 1984, crime drama. Oh, are there? Is there a sweeter phrase? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Oh, so in closing, I th- apart from saying thank you very much for talking about Synanon with me. Oh, thank you. I feel like, I mean, I, I only skimmed the surface. You, my friend, are a deep expert on all things Synanon, and I thank you very deep much. Deep dive. I hope it's been yeah. educational. Been uh, great. And in closing, there's nothing else to say except... In September, my cousin tried Reefer for the very first time. Now he's doing horse. Join a cult. (laughs) No, don't do it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, and my technology crease. My co-host for this episode was Miff Warhurst, the closest thing Australia has to a national cuisine. Further reading and hardly any hair can be found on the Zealot Facebook page. And music is by the Everglades, a man who takes sonic stairs two at a time. Oh, what? Cult.